Hi, my name is Rahab Armalik and you're listening to Cue the Music, a weekly podcast where I talk to strangers about music, the music they like, the music they're listening to, their favorite albums and much more. In this week's episode, I'm talking to Fran from Manchester. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello? Hello, how are you doing? I am doing well. You can hear me properly? You can hear me? Let me just, I might just need to turn you up a bit on my end, but I think that's just because my volume is quite low. There you go. I think that's probably better. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm looking forward to chatting to you. So I've been looking forward to doing this, so I'm glad we managed to sort it out. Yeah, we had a little bit of trouble scheduling it, but finally we got we managed to talk. Yeah, I think that's normal in the current situation, isn't it, with work and lockdown and everything. So it's easy to get it um, mixed up, I think. Nothing certain, nothing. It's it's good. And how's everything been going? How's your day been? My day's been okay. Um, Yeah, so I'm working from home at the minute and um, it's it's full on sometimes. But today's been quite quite steady. I finished quite early, so I managed to get out for a walk and how about you? You had a good day? Mm, yes, I had a good day. You know, went out for a little bit and then just, you know, just started studying for a bit. Then a good day, a simple day, a good day. Good, good. Yeah. And so what? tell me a bit about yourself. What do you do? So I am a, um, I'm a mental health worker for a young person's charity based in, in Manchester in England. So um, it's kind of... I do some one-to-one support, so it's sort of therapy, but I'm not a I'm not a qualified counselor or anything. It's kind of more like um, I suppose you'd call it a practical type of therapy. Like you try and help young people find ways to um, you know, to improve their their mood by you know getting involved in things and taking up activities and that kind of thing. So it's um, I do that and I run a couple of groups as well. So it's um, yeah, it's good. It's it's it's. I love my job. It's been quite hard in lockdown sometimes just because we've been trying to do it all from home, trying to do it online. So it's it's a different it's a different way of doing things. But yeah, I, I just feel lucky to have a job through this situation and to have a job that I still like and everything. So yeah, mm. it's it's good. Um but yeah, it can be it can be quite draining doing it from so home. So how do you manage it doing it from home? How do how does that work? So luckily, the company I work for, um, it's a charity called 42nd Street in Manchester, and we, we already offered online support to some young people. So that would be, um, I suppose the closest thing I could equate it to would be uh, just chatting on, say, Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or something. It's kind of like a, it's a private platform that, you know, they, is, is confidential, but we just do text chat with, with these um these particular clients and I was already an online worker for half of my caseload so kind of I could just Mm -hmm. I could adjust to it quite quickly compared to some of my colleagues who were just face to face so yeah we do that and then some some clients we do video calls with um the group that I run on a Thursday is just uh, we just do it all over zoom now so it's me and a a colleague Mm -hmm. and three young people and yeah so we've adapted pretty well I think um it's been very, it's just showed, showed me how important technology is uh, these these days, really, because we wouldn't have been able to do any of it if this had happened 20 years ago. So it's um, it's lucky in a way, but 
it's yeah it's good that we've been able to keep going keep giving support to people and what does the future hold like do you think that you might be going back in the field anytime soon or no for the time being you're you're going to do it from home so the plan at the minute we're just we're just looking at the minute at sort of workers well some workers have already gone back one day a week but it's the kind of you know we're keeping everybody in their own sort of bubble so if you're a monday worker you can only go in on monday if you're a tuesday worker and so on and so on and i haven't been back yet because um it's not felt necessary for my role really um and also i do have asthma so i've been a little bit more a little bit more cautious than some people i suppose around going back out into the into the world but i think in a couple of weeks time i'm going to be going in one day a week just to see some of my clients face to face because you know the online stuff's not for everybody it doesn't work for for some mm-hmm. some people so i think some people are desperate for the the face to face support so I'm, i'm keen to be able to offer that i suppose so the organization that you work with does that come under the nhs or is it private independently funded it's, it's a charity it so it's not under the nhs it's um mm. which is you know quite um quite lucky in some respects in that you know we've not been affected in in some ways um we still get we get funding from all over the place so some of our funding comes from the government some comes from other charities the group that i run is funded by bernardos which is another charity and um and then some funding comes from things like you know like comet relief and and stuff like mm-hmm. that so we get funding from all over the place but we it's been going 40 years this year the charity so it's got a good reputation and we haven't really lost a great deal of funding through through everything that's happening which is i think quite rare but then we're the only real charity of a kind in in manchester and manchester is obviously a big city so i think you know we've, we've got a good reputation but then we're also desperately needed at the minute so i think it kind of um you know mental health doesn't go away does it it's uh, and probably only increases in this in this sort of situation so i think you know there's a real need for it so i think we've been i feel lucky to be in this kind of industry in some ways because you know i've seen other people who are struggling through through losing jobs and things like that and for me that's never really felt like too much of a a risk mm-hmm. so you so you have you were born in manchester you live in manchester so were you born and raised in manchester no i was born um not far from manchester a place called derbyshire well the, the little a little village called cromford um which is in derbyshire um i came to manchester for university in in 2008 and uh, over then a brief period when i went back to that while i was looking for work i've just stayed here because it's a it's a fantastic city i love it um unfortunately part of what the things i really love about manchester are the gigs and the theater and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately they're not available right now so it's a little bit different but we still live in and we live in a sort of suburb of manchester where there's you know there's parks and there's there's a nature park and stuff so there's places to walk so it's not been too too bad through lockdown but it's uh, i do miss the the city being lively and oh, I miss the city I've not been to the city since March <laughs> so I've not I've not actually left the uh, suburb that I live in since March because I don't drive or anything so it's kind of it's a bit it's a bit mad really um to have not You don't drive so you just walk around where you where you have to go you just walk Yeah usually I'd be getting buses and I'd be getting trains to work but um because I don't drive uh with just my my girlfriend um she's got a driving license but she hasn't driven it since she was like probably 10 years 12 years ago so we just don't drive so mm-hmm. it's been very sort of um in some ways that's been obviously in 
not great because it would be nice to be able to get out somewhere new but also i mean it just means we we know what we can do and we're here and it's easy to keep the sort of the social distancing and stuff when you actually don't have much choice to go anywhere else anyway so <laughs> it's kind of um yeah it's it's a mixed mixed feeling about it already but i think it's it's been nice to have some time to slow down and to and to think about things other than just commuting to work and waiting for trains and waiting for buses so yeah just trying to see the good sides in it i suppose so you stay in manchester does that mean that you it's mandatory for you to love oasis or you can get away with it well that might come up in part of our conversation later <laughs> Um, I was a massive Oasis fan as a kid and to be honest part of what drove me to come to Manchester originally was the music I mean not just Oasis but Joy Division um, mm -hmm. various other bands I mean I, I used to love the Smiths but I, was, I don't know if you know too much about Morrissey's horrible racism these days oh, yeah. but, um, so I, I don't, I don't want to say too much about the Smiths because I'm, I'm pretty upset with Morrissey but um that kind of music brought me to Manchester, but it's kind of, I'm in Joy Division, I still listen to regularly, uh, but a mm -hmm. lot of the Manchester music, and I'd say particularly Oasis, have kind of, um, yeah, they've gone a little bit from my regular listening, really. What about you? Are you a fan? I'm not a very big Oasis fan, but I was a big, like, I am a big Smiths fan, and it did come up in the last episode that, you know, yeah. liking music, listening to music by, uh, by problematic people, because it is, like, Morrissey's politics is complete shit yeah and i don't live in the i don't live in the uk but still i know oh, no he it's complete shit and but still you know i like the smiths i listen to them fairly regularly yeah. and it's always in the back of my head like is it okay i'm listening to this music by this problematic guy and it's not like he's become suddenly problematic he has always yeah. been problematic in some ways more it's not like yeah you have certain aspects of him that have become more magnified but and he has become more emboldened in the last couple of years. But you're like, okay, he has always been problematic. But yeah. and I listen to them fairly regularly. I was listening to their music. I've been listening to their music fairly regularly during quarantine also. So there was, there's always a little voice in the back of my head. Okay, this guy's not okay. It's a tough <laughs> a one. It's a guy. really tough one. And I wish I could. Um, I think the probably the reason for me it's so hard because I've got friends who say you know they still listen to them regularly. I think the reason it's so hard for me is mm. because when I was really into the Smiths, maybe when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I I, I loved him. Mm. I loved Morrissey. It was kind of, a, you know, when you're a hero worshipper, an artist almost, it mm. was like I looked up to him. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to write like him. And I didn't really look too much into what he was like as a person. And I think as I've grown, as I've sort of got more political, as I've got older and he's become more emboldened, mm -hmm. like you say, the two things clash of now. When I hear the Smiths, it's it's that kind of um, oh god, I used to love this guy, and, and now I know all these things about him. But if, if a song comes on on a playlist, mm -hmm. like it's I've got running playlists, I've got party playlists. If a mm -hmm. if a Smith song comes on, I won't skip it. I'll listen to it, but I won't go out my way to put them on anymore because it's just too. I mean, they are great. Yeah, yeah. He's an asshole, but he's such a talent. Yeah, asshole. absolutely. And some of the, you know, I mean. Girlfriend in a Coma, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now, fantastic, fantastic songwriter. And, you know, and I think I, something I always feel bad about as well as the rest of the band, like the rest of the band are fantastic. 
<laughs> and I feel like I've dropped the Smiths um, unfairly on Johnny Marr and the rest. But it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, now when I hear him, um, I just think too much of, you know, the people that he is sort of emboldening as well. Like Tommy Robinson's a, a sort of far right guy over here that, you know, Morrissey has given his blessing to. And that's just, you know, that just tips it over the edge for me. I just kind of can't. Uh, yeah, I can't do it anymore. But I, I kind of am jealous of people who can still listen to to him. And there's probably musicians that I still listen to that are problematic in other ways, but I maybe don't have that quite such an intense connection to them. So I can kind of switch off mm -hmm. from that. But yeah, it's 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 sad. It's just sad to see that he's become that. And I know he was always problematic, but I feel like it's, mm -hmm. it's just got worse and worse. As the UK has got worse over the last few years, you know, he's kind of gone along with it. So... It's a hard, it's a hard thing to see. I can't even imagine how would it feel like, like someone I was that obsessed with as you were with yeah. Morrissey, turning out to be a complete asshole. Like I can't imagine that how I would reconcile with the fact that okay, listening to that guy's music, the music that means so much to me, it's not right. It's not a right thing now anymore. I yeah, it's it's a hard thing, and I think that's why for me I have to totally separate myself from it because if I kind of, if I listen to it. I know I'll be enjoying it and then I'll feel guilty about it and then it'll be like oh god I've got to think about this all again so for me it's just easier to kind of just to put it to one side and uh and yeah and it's it's yeah it's tough but maybe you know maybe in 10 years time I think it being in the middle of Brexit and being in the middle of everything that's happened in this country in the last few years it's made it even harder to listen to that so I think maybe once some of that hopefully you know dies off a little bit and uh you know, I, I feel a bit more comfortable about the country. I might be more comfortable with listening to Morrissey and not feeling awful about it, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure. Is it possible to separate the art from the artist? No. I think it is. I think it is. And I think, um, but I think it's come back to that thing about the connection that you have to the artist. I think maybe, um, I think if you, if you know, if you hear a song and it's not by an artist that you sort of feel connected to, but you just like the song, I think I could, I could do it. But I think when, I think when I feel really connected to the artist, like the, some of the bands we'll probably talk about tonight, say, let's just, we're going to talk a bit about the national tonight. I know. So if, if they were to suddenly, if I was to find out something really bad about the national, that would be, that would be like so emotional for me, you know, I wouldn't be able to cope with it because it would mean I would have to put that to one side. And but what if it was something like, let me think of a band now. I don't know. Um, I can't think of anyone at the top of my head. But if it was someone who was just middle of the road, not that I wasn't totally in love with, I could probably still listen to them. I think it's the it's the love for the band that makes it hard to sort of still listen once you know that they're they're ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a difficult one. All right. So now let's talk about your favorite. Yes, album. that's a much happier topic, Please hopefully. Just... Take it, take it <laughs> um, so my favourite album is, you know, I had to think about this a tiny bit because there's two, I suppose. Uh, one, one of my favourite albums is In Rainbows by the Nash, uh, by Radiohead. Um, I, I adore that album, but for some reasons that I'll go into a little bit, the Nationals Boxer is the album that I've chosen as uh, as my favourite album. Um, it's just one that I, I've never got bored of since I first heard it. And it kind of has various layers of meaning for me, but it was kind of, um, 
it was kind of transformational for me in my my music taste which is what when i said that we'd come back to oasis i suppose that's where it came from because i think at maybe maybe the age of around 21 20 22 i was listening all i listened to really was sort of really laddie indie music you know really macho sort of indie um that kind of i would go to gigs and drink a lot of beer and shout along to it and i listened to a bit of hip-hop as well which i'm still into but at the time that that was my main genre of music and then um i discovered the national um totally by accident like someone had burnt a cd and um this is showing my age a little bit now it's when we used to burn cds instead of making spotify playlists <laughs> but um, my friend had burnt me a load of cds and i was just going through them at random and i put this one in and um there was no name on it there was nothing on it and you know the first song that came on was what i now know is fake empire um and mm-hmm. i was just instantly sort of like what what the hell is this music? But when I texted my friend to ask him, he didn't know what I was talking about. It got in there accidentally somehow. So again, showing my age, mm-hmm. it's before I would have thought, I'll just Google the lyrics. It was, I listened to the album maybe 10 times before I figured out who it was. And one of my friends was like, oh no, that's my CD. <laughs> and it was just kind of, you know, one of those, one of those big moments in music where you sort of question what you've been listening to. Because suddenly I was listening to someone whose lyrics really meant something and who was like writing beautiful poetic lyrics and it kind of uh yeah it blew my mind a little bit so it's it's always stuck with me that has so that's probably the reason why it's still my favorite album because of the way that happened mm-hmm. but I mean yeah I could I could go on about the album a lot but I mean what I don't know I've not heard if do you know it are you a big fan are you I am I'm not a big fan I have heard the album I've heard stuff by the yeah. national I have heard this album and a couple of other albums but I'm not such a big fan are you but I am yeah. a fan but first I'd like you to you to just give an introduction if someone is listening and they don't know who the national are just give them a absolutely yeah okay so um there are five piece from Ohio um and two two sets of brothers in the band actually so there's the Desner brothers who mm. sort of the rhythm um yeah Aaron Desner and Bryce Desner and then there's the drummer and the bass player i might be getting some of this wrong uh, are also brothers scott devendorf and brian devendorf i won't be confident in yours i won't <laughs> saying it anything. yeah I know, I know the names and I'm, I'm pretty sure i know the instruments but sometimes i might get it slightly wrong and then there's matt berninger the um the singer and i suppose they okay. they were one of those bands who they came up around the same time as bands like the strokes and the yeah yeah yes and and all of those but their first three albums kind of um went under the radar a little bit. I suppose the first two albums went under the radar a little bit. Um, and they are, if we're being honest, not as good as what came after. But um, they released an album called Alligator, um, which I'm going to say was around 2004, I think. And that got a lot of critical acclaim, but didn't sort of, didn't break them massively. Um, and then, then they released Boxer, 2007, which kind of went massive and um and then since then they've just kind of grown and grown so it's a really interesting career in some ways because it's not one of those bands that have sort of Mm. started big and stayed big or one of those Mm. bands that started big and fizzled out a little bit it's kind of a band that's continued to Mm. to grow its audience i'm not i'm not sure if Mm -hmm. they've always grown musically i think boxer was the best and they're getting back towards the top form for me but i think um yeah so 
it's a lot of people when I play the national to them, they say it's depressing. And a lot of the music that I love, that's what people say to me. They say it's just depressing, mm -hmm. Fran. And I say, no, it's not. Listen to it properly. <laughs> Listen to it. And, you know, I argue and I argue. But I mean, for me, I find them one of the most uplifting bands. Um, I think they, they, they do this thing with their music where they sort of build a crescendo with every song, really. It's, it's mm -hmm. they start with the bare, bare essentials of the song and just Matt Benningen's really sort of deep voice and, and they mm -hmm. build and they build and they build. And I think it's really, it's quite powerful. Um, and I think if you love them, they're one of those bands that if you love them, you love them. But then a lot of people look at you like, why are you so obsessed with this band? Like what, why, why this <laughs> band? And I think a lot of the bands and a lot of the musicians that I love, uh, are similar in that respect and that people kind of question me as to why I love them quite as much as I do but yeah that's that's probably a brief introduction to the national um still going but it I but it's also one of those bands which I'll say in my own personal experience one of those bands that just that does grow mm -hmm. on you with time. yes because my introduction to the national was from the most randomest place like have you seen the movie the theory of everything um I have yes yes so in the trailer for that movie, England, I think England yeah. by the National was playing. And I saw the trailer, like, oh, I like this song. I checked it out, and then I went to the National Tangent and everything. And then I did not immediately like all the music because it takes a little bit of time to get used yeah. to them. But slowly, you it grows on you, it grows on you, and then it's like it's great music, great music. Putting it very simply, putting it in the simplest words that I can because I don't I'm I, I'm not that eloquent that I can go off on a tangent and then sing their praises <laughs> but it's yeah and I think this is what I always tell people um that there's music that grows on you and I think I think there's one thing about um music these days and and the way that people digest music these days is that actually sometimes people don't give music the chance to grow on them anymore because I think there's so much music mm -hmm. out there and it's so accessible mm -hmm. now that it's not like what I'm talking about when I had that burnt CD. It's kind of, if I'd put that burnt CD in and I hadn't liked it straight away, I could have gone on Spotify and listened to anything else. So I think bands mm -hmm. like The National, even though, you know, they're huge now, but smaller bands mm -hmm. that are similar to The National, I think they may struggle to find their audience sometimes because people don't have as much. I mean, there's people who do. I'm getting the sense from listening to a couple of your podcasts and from your taste that, you know, you would give a, a band the chance to grow on you, but there's a lot of people who don't. And um, so if I tell people mm -hmm. you need to keep coming back to this national album until you love it, they're not probably not going to do it. But, um, but anybody who's listening now and you've not listened to the national, please give them a chance to grow on you because <laughs> they will in some way. I'm sure like they are yeah, a phenomenal band. Are you that person? If the al album comes out, you listen to it the entire album in one go, or you'll just take your time with the album, like listen to a couple of songs, take a break, listen to a couple of songs, take a break. What type of listener are you? Oh, I'm a definite, definite all the way through um, person. Like it's, the album's so important to me as a form, I think. Like um, I, I, if I get a new album, you know, something lands, um, I will try and listen to it all in one go. So I'll try and find a time when I can before I even listen to any of it. Um, I kind of do this really nerdy thing as well. Like if there's a band I know are releasing an album um, and the singles are getting released, I won't listen to those mm -hmm. singles. I'll do everything I can to avoid them because I like to hear the album as a, oh, as a whole. The self-control that in <laughs> the singles. Oh, God. You, don't, you told me that you don't listen to singles when they come out. So yeah. with the with you didn't listen to Kyoto and Garden Song when they no, came out. No, I didn't, and it was it was hard with um it was hard with the Phoebe Bridges. Um, 
but it's kind of like I was saying I'm not sure if you heard much of this but it, for me it's it really adds something to the experience and I think with with Garden Song being the first proper song after the DVD menu it was kind of mm-hmm. you know that muddy production on the mm-hmm. on the song and I didn't know that she kind of made that change to her sound and it, it kind of learning that by playing the album through for the first time just I think really enhanced mm-hmm. my experience of it and it's you know I think if you can do it, if you can resist listening to singles, I think it just makes that first experience of the album so much more rewarding, but it's hard. I think I am too weak for that. <laughs> Especially like artists and they put up new music. Oh, I think I'm too weak to resist the new music. Yeah, and I, I get, and it's also, it's been loads harder to do that during, during lockdown because it's just that, you know, you're desperate, aren't you? And I think it's, um, yeah, but it, it has always been a sort of rewarding thing when I've managed to, to avoid the singles but there's, there's times when I haven't but it does yeah it adds something to it for me I think I also if I remember correctly I also heard Punisher the entire way through like in one sitting I sat down I played the entire album but oh, I couldn't have you heard the album Fetch the Bowl Cutters yes I have yeah. I couldn't listen to it in one I had to take breaks like I, <laughs> because it's such a heavy album I had to take breaks okay three songs in okay a break a little yeah. walk another break it's yeah, well, I think yeah, I think with that album for me because it you you know I I run a, a podcast as well and we mm-hmm. you, we had that album on the podcast as one of the ones you know we that we all listened to none of us had heard before and it kind of um I didn't I wasn't expecting to love it in the way that I do because I haven't been a massive fan of Fiona Apple's previous work so I think when I first played it I maybe was a little bit it was just sort of playing in the background to me. Um, mm-hmm. But it was only the more I played it and I started to get little snippets of it would catch me. I'd be like, wow, this is loads more interesting than I was expecting. So it was kind of a, now I can totally get what you're saying. Like it's a heavy, heavy album. And there's some parts of it when it really takes your breath away, I think. But I think because at first I was just listening to it without really paying too much attention. I was able to sort of get through those, uh, those difficult parts of it, I suppose. All right. So let's be went off of course yes. a little while but let's go back to boxer of course so what themes do you think this album portrays what themes what themes um i think there's a real sort of claustrophobia in it i think there's kind of a you know it's almost a good lockdown album because i think there's um there's a song called apartment story which kind of very much talks about being sort of stuck in one place and um and how you keep yourself going in that situation and i think it's also most of the Nationals music, which, you know, sometimes it gets harder to, to buy into as they get more and more famous, but a lot of it's about insecurity. It's mm-hmm. about sort of, um, you know, it's about being a, a male and sort of understanding that you, sh- you, you do have some privilege, but also still being really not a very secure, happy person sometimes. And I think, but then they, then they break out of that and they break out of it with these kind of sort of sweeping, um, releases towards the end of the songs which for me have always kind of represented a bit of a you know how his mind works how Matt Benninger's mind works mm-hmm. and it's kind of um so I think there's a lot of mental health comes into their mm-hmm. their music um and a lot of yeah a lot of sort of you know some some people I've heard talk it is like you know as a whiny white man <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> true in a way but he's very good at being a whiny white man and he's very aware of what he's the best doing. whiny white man there is yeah yeah, he's not trying to hide that he's just, he's not whining in a way like he's like, oh, every, you know, mm. I'm so needy. It's more like, 
why am I like this when actually I'm really privileged? And I think um, I think that's a lot. A lot of that comes through in his lyrics. And I think it's yeah. So I think insecurity is always the big the big theme with national music. I think even now. You said claustrophobic, and I agree with that because it's what 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 is this album about? It is about the dull adult experience, the dull more yeah. dull modern adult experience. Yeah. And I have not been an adult for a very really long time. I'm still, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm not pretty good at it. So it was a bit claustrophobic. Okay, oh, okay. The these because the lyrics, the, he's making commentary in some songs. Yeah. He's talking about himself in some songs. He's giving, you know, the friends are gone. Life is boring. Yeah. And I am putting it in the very dull, dullest of terms. But he's making commentary on himself, on the society, like absolutely screw course in one song. So it is claustrophobic. It's heavy at times. It's claustrophobic. Yeah. But it is like society, like like wrong commentary on society, yeah. basically. And I think the thing that he does with it, which to me is always what makes it interesting, is that there's that sort of, um, you know, what could be considered quite maudlin um, and quite sort of miserable in some of the lyrics, but also. There's there's humor there as well. Like there's a sort of self awareness, and it's um, there's lines that kind of really hit you and really are quite savagely upsetting. But then there's a, the next line he'll say something really funny. Um, so I think it's that kind of yeah claustrophobia, but also awareness of sort of being you know being quite self centered, but being aware of it. And I think you know everybody's self centered, aren't they? And everybody thinks about themselves a lot. But but to sort of put that into songs, but at the same time, be quite universal, I think, and and you know talk about everybody's experience in some ways as well is um, it's quite amazing to me. And I think some of what you're saying around um, I'm just I've got a few lyrics in front of me just so I didn't forget them. But um, mm-hmm. so if we talk about apartment story, one of the lyrics that you know sums up what we've just been saying so one of the verses just says hold ourselves together with our arms around the stereo for hours while it sings to itself or whatever mm-hmm. it does while it sings to itself of so its long last loves i'm getting tired i'm forgetting why and it's just a beautiful bit of poetry but also it is that sort of i'm just all he does in that bit is sit with his arm around a stereo like crying to himself basically but he makes it sound so beautiful, <laughs> which is, I think, quite a rare skill. So, yeah, I think that was always what attracted me to them and, and what attracted me to this album in particular, yeah. You know, you can sort of divide this album into two parts. Like, one is feeling relationships, feeling love life, not being able to, not being compatible with people. Yeah. And the other half is, like, you know, against capitalism, against society, like, screw workplace and everything. Like, the first song, like, we are half awake in a fake empire. Yeah. What is a fake empire? Is uh, it a society? Is it an American society? What is a fake empire? You know what? It's fascinating that song because it um it was released before Obama's presidency, but Obama took it on as his mm-hmm. um his campaign song, um and that fake empire came to represent sort of you know what had come before Obama, you know the right wing Republican sort of uh, cap- capitalism, I suppose, and. It, that it came to represent that but whether it meant that at the time when they wrote it I don't really think that it did I mean I think the first verse of that is stay out super late tonight picking apples making pie put a little, little something in our lemonade and take it with us and then it's we're half awake in a fake empire and I kind of think it's that um for me I've always seen it as you know you're living a life that isn't fully real because you're distracting yourself with things like 
going out and putting some putting some alcohol in your lemonade and just distracting yourself. So a fake empire for me has always been this like this world we create for ourselves, this sort of thing we create in our heads to try and maybe avoid what's really going on. But that's just my read. I don't the know. Last rule, the last verse also might support what you're saying because turn the light out, say goodnight. Yeah. No thinking for a little while. Let's not try to figure out everything at once. It's hard to keep track of you falling through the sky. We are half awake in a fake empire. We are half awake in a fake empire. Fantastic lyrics. It's like, a, and this line, it's hard to keep track of you falling through the sky. Yeah, yeah. You have, like, it's, like, what what does that mean? It, it's hard to keep track of you falling this through is... the sky. Like, one day you're on top of the world and the next year. Yeah. And it's another thing that's interesting with, with Matt Berninger's lyrics is a lot of the time when he says, when he uses the word you, so when it's hard to keep track of you falling through the sky, a lot of the time he is referring to himself or to everybody, I think. And I think that's kind of, it's hard, for me, that's kind of the image of a, a dream, you know, falling through the sky, kind of, it's hard to keep track of myself when I'm in this kind of fake empire in this world that doesn't really exist. So I suppose that's that's how I see it. But what about you? What's your read? I, it it may be like uh, it, it may be okay against capitalism and everything but it also might because I am now seeing like I'm reading the lyrics now I have the lyrics mm. in front of me and I'm listening to what you're saying and I can see okay it might mean that like com- have a fake empire like your life is did not yeah. like his life did not turn out the way he wanted it to be not satisfied like doing modeling things pretending maybe putting on a front so that it might help him get that satisfaction, get that happiness, but not really. It's a fake empire. It's all like fake plastic trees. It's fake empire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's an interesting link actually there, but definitely I think, yeah. And, you know, I haven't really talked about this song in this much detail ever, but it's really interesting to sort of just think about, you know, the many meanings that I think you can apply to. And I think when you've got a really good band and a really good lyricist, Mm -hmm. everybody might apply a different meaning to it. But I think... um, Mm -hmm good you should be able to do that a little bit i think i've read matt bernard say that you know when he lets go of his songs he wants he wants the listener to come up with their own interpretation which is why it's Mm -hmm. quite abstract sometimes um but yeah so i think Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting it's interesting but it's um i don't think we'll ever know exactly what he was meaning but i think that's what i've always taken it to mean yeah you know what i like about the nationalist if you when you're listening to them for the first time, or listening to a song of theirs for the first time, the lyrics they seemingly seem they seem very simple. Like okay, you've got what they mean, and because like we have mentioned in the previous episode, we discussed on the podcast in the previous episodes, certain artists like Sufjan and Bon Iver, yeah. there's their lyrics that heavy heavy imagery. Like you don't get what the lyrics mean. You need to you need to you need to take time and just read them, listen to them again to get what they fully mean and. National, when you're first listening to them, you're saying like, okay, yeah, you simple lyrics, you get yeah. what they're meaning. But you don't, yeah. you don't, really don't. Because they, each time you listen to them, it means completely different. Hello? Again, oh, I can hear you then, cut out for a second yeah, there, but I can hear you again now. Yeah. Uh, again, with the, like, the next song, there's a line which I, I really like this line. And I like... Showered and blue blazer, fill yourself with quarters. Showered and blue blazer, sh- yeah. Fill yourself. Amazing. Yeah. Like, again, what does that like? My first thought was okay. Again, going to that job, not being satisfied, 
screw capitalism again. But what are you? Yeah, do you know what? That's one of those lyrics that's always I've loved listening to it, and it's always been a kind of. But what does it really mean? But I think what you're saying there is right. I think it is that like disappointment with um with the way you earn your money, disappointment with you know. And I think there's a similar lyric um, which seems simple on Blood Buzz, Blood Buzz Ohio from a later album, High Violet. And the lyric mm-hmm. there is, mm-hmm. "I still owe yeah. money to the money to the money I owe." Money to the money it's I owe. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good when you really dig into <laughs> what that line means because it's just like we all owe money to the money to the money we owe and it's so clever but it is that that sort of subtle political and they're a very political band outside of their music you know Mm -hmm. they're very um they campaign for Planned Parenthood they they be political and um and you don't really notice that in their lyrics unless you really maybe talk about it like we are now like that actually they are Mm -hmm. um putting subtle things in there that you know they are about these songs are about getting older they're about being sort Mm -hmm. of uh, uncomfortable human but they're also about something that's quite universal to people and things like lines that we've just discussed about money kind of are things that Mm -hmm. I think we can all really relate to from some point in in our lives I'm sure so yeah it's um yeah some magical lyrics I think I think if you had to like describe an album this album with lyrics you could just do it with this and another uninnocent elegant fall into the unmagnificent life of adults like this this is a tagline for yeah, this album yeah you can sell it beautiful with this beautiful isn't it and uh, yeah i mean mm-hmm. i yeah i got a few a few lyrics up um just because i thought i knew we'd end up talking about lyrics i think another one start of green gloves is another one that sums up that sort of old um you know getting older even not that much older, I think this is just getting into your early twenties and things are starting to change from your, your easy friendships and it's I think Green Gloves is my favorite is it? Is song it? of that. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean it's a great song. Yeah, it's it's one of those that when I first heard it, I didn't it wasn't an instant one for me, but it's that thing about growing on you and now it's yeah, it's it's one of mine as well. But I think the opening lines And you know this throughout this No no grow, no grow. Oh, I just want to say that throughout this album the drums are very like the dom yeah. they are very dominant. The drums but are the most in, important you know, you thing, can see, okay, the that, Yeah. But with Green Gloves, you can see, okay, now the guitar picks up yeah. a little bit. Acoustic guitar picks up a little You can see, okay, now they're changing tone a little bit. The album is changing tone a little bit. And it's my favorite song of the album. It is, it's just an insane. I mean, this for me, for me, there's not a, a bad song on this album, but Green Gloves is it's one of them that, you know, Slow Show is my favorite song. Um, Slow Show is not just my favorite song on this album. It's my favorite song ever, I think. Um <laughs> Yeah, ever. ever by the Nashville, by, ever by, by any artist. <laughs> oh, well, that is a very big. It's a big claim, but it's, it's really like big. I think I can actually make it in this instance. And every, there's a couple of Radiohead songs in the back of my head saying, "Like, what the hell are you saying?" But I genuinely <laughs> think Slow Show just, uh, just every time. It is almost like I Slow Show is almost like it could be a Radiohead song. It would almost be a radio. Yeah, I think it's funny. There's like um, there's some similarities between Single. these bands that maybe people don't pick up on because it's maybe older Radiohead is similar to some some national. I think they both build a lot of layers into their songs. Mm-hmm. They both do a lot of um, fascinating things. They both work with crescendos a lot. So I think there's a lot of similarities. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe Slow Show, because Slow Show was the one that made me fall in love with the national and maybe because I was already a massive Radiohead fan, maybe you're right there. Maybe there's some link and that was, that mm-hmm. was my way in. 
but you have made a very big claim that this is your favorite song of all time so now you have to like defend this thing like why uh, is this your favorite song of all time it's just um you know it's a really hard question but it's kind of i think the lyrics are stunning <laughs> i think there's a lyric in this song right um it's the refrain towards the end where he says i know i dreamed about you for 29 years before i saw you i know i did de- i dreamed about you i missed you for 29 years and i think with mm-hmm. that lyric it's just so clever because a lot of people would just say in a lot of songs an artist would just say i love you and i loved you before i met you and he says that mm-hmm. in this way that's so sort of powerful and so different that it really really stands out to me and it always has stood out to me it kind of gives me shivers even talking about it but if, you, if the lyrics of the song in general i think are just the archetypal what i love about this band it's this guy who's insecure one minute and then he's drinking he talks about drinking punch mm-hmm. and he gets gets drunk he acts a little more stupid a little more scared and then there's a line there's a line in this song which is such a beautiful song where he says can i get a minute of not being nervous and not thinking of my dick mm-hmm. and it's just like mm-hmm. i didn't know that that song said that for a long time but it's just this this guy put in actual thoughts that actual people have into these beautiful words and I just think it's so clever and and it's you know it's just a song that I never get bored of as well like it's a song that I could listen to I would say that it is that song in which his anxiety comes through much like the clear yeah. more like more clearly than any other yeah. songs because even the chorus like I want to hurry home to you put on a sh- slow dumb show for you and crack yep. you up so you can put a blue ribbon on my brain god i'm very frightening very frightening i'll overdo it yeah. like he knows like his insecure he's putting all his insecurities his anxieties everything like he needs validation from this person Absolutely. he's putting all his fears his anxieties and to put that last line on yeah, that chorus as well is... god i'm very mm. very frightened i'll overdo it it's just really? amazing i think because it's it's all this bluster in the song of like you know of this mm. is me being you know trying to get through all of this and this is me being strong and I'm hurrying home to you and cracking you up and then it's just like oh my god I'm terrified and it's just that that's what they do really well the national I think is that contradiction between um being quite tough and being quite you know putting on quite heavy songs sometimes but actually a lot of the time there's that I'm very frightened is just a big part of what he's singing about a lot of the time I think so so yeah I don't know if that tells you why it's my favorite song but no, no, it, it is okay. I, I, you're making a strong <laughs> point for it. I mean, I'm not going going to let you go off the hook okay. that easily. You're making a strong <laughs> point for it, but <laughs> but like you said, like the national balance is very, very, like very alien, very nicely that they have the strong songs and those delicate songs, songs which put forth their fears and everything. Like slow show, even the song, the last, the outro, like you know, I dreamed yeah. about you. You know, I. I I would have said that okay, he's maybe talking about a romantic partner or something. But now listening to you talk about it, and now we have discussing it, uh, discussing it. Is he talking about himself? See, I like the that his future. The... That's fascinating. That's fascinating because I've always thought he's talking about a, a partner as well. But it could be, couldn't it? It could be this realized version of himself that. Um... You know, you know, we have all we have that vision yeah. of ourselves. Like, okay, in the future, I'll be doing this. I'll be doing that. I would have achieved this. Yeah. And now he's there in the future, and the future doesn't look what he had envisioned. Do you know what? I've I've probably so heard this song. Years, yeah. I I don't know thousands of thousands of time, and you may have just put another new spin on this song for me. So I think that's that's 
god. <laughs> That's another thing for me to try and crack open and figure out. So it's, you know, but yeah, it could be. It could be. But so it's a mix. Yeah, it could be both, couldn't it, as well? Because at some points he's singing to a love interest here. Hmm. But maybe he isn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe the whole way through he's singing and... to himself. I'm kind of, uh, I mean, I'm trying to figure it out in my head now. and I can't. I'm kind of... Uh... I think I, I I think my mind just like, <laughs> like spattered <laughs> on the wall. Like my mind is just blown. Yeah. Because I, I when while listening to the album, like the second of the last four or five songs, you could say, okay, he's talking about a partner maybe because the apartment story, start of all guest room, you could see like, yeah. okay, it's like a trilogy of yeah. songs. Partner, like their, their relationship is deteriorating slowly, slowly. Like they have always had problems, but they can't ignore them. They, they're de- it's deteriorating yeah. and everything. But now, is he if he's talking about himself <laughs> that just like I am that's another level, isn't it? That's my mind <laughs> like it warrants another listen to that with that yeah, perspective. Totally. To that with that and I'm gonna add to this conspiracy now because there's a song on the previous album, Alligator, called Baby Will Be Fine. And um mm-hmm. that is one that there's a part in that where he totally does this thing where he he is talking about himself, but everybody thinks he's talking about partner so there's a, a part of the song where he says i take a 45 minute shower and kiss the mirror and say look at me baby will be fine and everyone's always been like baby will be fine you must be talking to a partner but but that song totally for me is about him you know working himself up just to be out in the world and talking to people mm-hmm. and it, that's him looking in the mirror before he leaves the house and calling himself baby and saying we'll be fine so he does it. It's a thing that he does. So it could be that he's doing it all the way through Boxer and we've just never picked up on it before. Maybe me and you have just broke the code, Boxer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I'm just looking at the lyrics for Apartment Story and the bridge, like, we'll stay inside till somebody finds us, do whatever the team yeah. tells us, stay inside. Our rosy minded first oh for God, days. And then the so worry not, all things are well, we'll be all right. <laughs> we have our looks and perfume. And I was thinking, okay, he's maybe yeah. talking about his partner in there. But now it's less like it's he's only talking about no, himself. I think it totally it's is. <laughs> I think it because, yeah, when he says, holds ourselves together with our arms around the stereo for hours as well, it's like that's mm. the image I've always had in my head is just him hugging mm. the, the speakers on his own. But I've always, it says ourselves mm-hmm. together with our arms, but maybe he just, maybe he's just talking to himself. Oh my God, mind's blown. I'm going to add to this again. I'm going to add to this with some lyrics from Star Wars because I've just opened the lyrics now and I'm just like, I'm blowing my mind with reading every sentence of this. <laughs> like Star Wars, there is really think you can just put it in a safe behind a painting, lock it up and leave. Do you really think you can just put it in a safe behind behind a painting, lock it up and leave? Walk away now and you're going to start a war. Whatever went away, I'll get over now. I'll get money and I'll get funny again. Like he's, you and I, you, yeah. I, he's changing. So, and yeah, oh and I said God. it earlier in this conversation oh that sometimes when he says you, he means himself. But maybe like what mm. we've missed is that he always means that. Wow. Okay. This, uh, this this conversation has taken a lynching twist. I don't I I was not expecting it to take. No, but it's amazing because this is I mean, okay, this just demonstrates to me though why this album is so amazing and why I love it so much because this album has been with me since two thousand and seven and I'm I'm it's two thousand and twenty and I'm talking about it with someone and I'm thinking of new meanings for it and like how many albums can you do that with, really? It's it just shows the power of the writing, doesn't it? Even if it's not right, even if we haven't broken the code, we're still able to make a good argument for it, aren't we? And I think that just shows how amazing, how amazing it is. So I think I win. I think I win the best album. 
competition. I thank you. I thank you. But then there's, <laughs> but then there's another song which does sort of put a king in this theory, which is like, what is what is Ada about? Ada. Okay, so Ada. Let me get the lyrics up to Ada because I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to now because I haven't thought about this one in preparation. Okay, Ada, don't talk about reasons why you don't. Oh, it's a great song, isn't it? <laughs> I know it's one of my mm. friend's favorite songs on the album, but um. Like it's, you know that it picks it up before it goes on. Like it's the chords are like strong yeah. chords, and it picks up, and then the last songs are like quarter. So I love the song. It's like my second favorite in the album. I'll say the yeah. song. Yeah. So this is this is an interesting one, isn't it? It's kind of um, it's one that I think is you know when we talk about some of them being abstract, more abstract than others. I think this is quite an abstract song. I think. It's, you know, stand inside an empty tuxedo with grapes in my mouth waiting for Ada. Like, who's Ada? Um, it's a fascinating one. But yeah, again, it could be that thing about waiting for somebody to turn up in your life and, and they're not turning up. Maybe Ada's like someone who he wants to turn up, um, someone who isn't there, but he's always waiting for her. You know, I'm just, I, I'm just reading that lyric, like, Ada, I can hear the sound of your laugh through yeah. the world. And it didn't come because I've heard this album multiple times and it didn't come up in my mind any time before this. Have you read the book Flowers for Al- Algernon? Sorry, we you cut out a second there. Uh, I mean, I said that, uh, have you read the book Flowers for Algernon? No, I haven't, no, no. So, like, long story short, in the end, he's going through some mental health issues and you know he's in, he's alone in the room. He's talking to himself. Yeah. He's talking to himself. So it it just reminds me a bit. Maybe it can Ada can be himself. Like it can be mad. Like I can hear the sound of your laugh talking through your laugh through yeah. your wall. Maybe he's talking to himself. Maybe it's, it's quite possible. And also, I think the other thing to keep in mind is if if it's reminding you of a literary reference, like the national. So many literary references within that work that I think it could possibly be that you know that that might be something that he's he's put in there as well. I think this is one that I've got, if I'm being honest, I think it's less easy to, to fit into our new theory. But it could be, couldn't it? Yeah, it could it, be, but it could be that he's talking be, yeah. as himself and he's waiting for this imaginary figure called Ada and he can hear someone through the wall. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it fits. It doesn't fit as easily as some of the other songs, I think. This lyric, like, from Ada, it- it doesn't disprove our theory, it doesn't yeah. prove our theory, but I love this lyric. Like, Ada, don't stay in the lake too long. It lives alone and it barely knows oh. you. It will have a nervous breakdown and fall into a thousand pieces Amazing. around you. Like, I have no idea what to make of this lyric. I have no idea what to make of this lyric, but it is so beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's so beautiful. Like, what? Like, it's no idea what it means, but I know it means something. I think that's the <laughs> thing sometimes, so isn't it? With It's like, sometimes the lyrics are so beautiful just as a poem that you don't necessarily spend the time figuring them out because it's just that sort of that just sounds amazing you know Ada don't stay in the lake too long it lives alone and it barely knows you yeah it's it's stunning it is but then it's interesting with you know this is towards the end of the second to last song isn't it and the refrain here is leave it all up in the air and I think that is Mm. something that they're doing a lot with the lyrics on this album as well aren't they it's that kind of um Mm. you know you're able to apply your read to it and I think that's that's uh, that can only be a good thing in my mind you know I don't remember who said it I read an interview by someone and I maybe Sufjan I don't remember but 
the, he said that I don't like giving people too much context about my lyrics yeah. because I want people to you know make it it should mean something to them it might mean something to them each something different each time they hear the song i don't want to give them too much context it's their song it's whatever they want to do with it i've put it out it's theirs yeah. it's there to whatever make your mic of it so it's this whole album like we have proved like we have disagreed with what we have said multiple <laughs> we have been talking about this album for 30 minutes and we have agreed <laughs> on certain things and we have disproved those things <laughs> And this is that that's what's great about it. That's yeah. what's great about it. It's a podcast in itself, isn't it? You can create a whole podcast series about <laughs> each national each song from this album and does it fit with this theory? Mm-hmm. You know, because it is, it's but it is, I think that what if that is Sufjan that said it or whoever said it, I think it's um that's the music that I love a lot of the time is when they're not trying to they're not mm-hmm. trying to spoon feed you what it means. Um they're they're trying mm-hmm. to leave it open for you to sort of uh to make your own mind up about. And I think, you know, that's that's a that's a great thing in music, I think. And then this this song also like leaves it like Ira at the end like Ira I can hear the sound of your laugh through the wall, Ira I've been hoping you know your way around and then it just yeah. ends. No, nothing concrete, nothing that it just ends. Yeah, there. what does it mean? Who knows? But it's kind of um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm now I'm now convincing myself of the theory that this is a song that he has written to like a, you know, someone who he wishes would appear in his life because that the end of that makes the sense mm-hmm. to me. It's like Ada. I can hear the sound of your laugh through the wall. That's kind of like I can hear you in the distance. Mm-hmm. And then Ada, I've been hoping you know your way around. It's again an, a nice way of saying like I, I hope you find me soon. <laughs> I hope like you find each other. <laughs> and I think it fits in with a lot of the way he writes things. So yeah, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. And now the last song yes. of the song album, which might also put a kink on our theory, but <laughs> it. Like the song makes a strong case for both sides. Like it might be him talking about himself, might be talk- him talking about someone else. Yeah. Like the first first lines of the song, I've got two armfuls of magazines for you. I'll bring them over. So hang your holiday rainbow lights in the garden. Hang your holiday rainbow lights in the garden and I'll bring a nice icy drink yeah. to you. Like there's so much contradiction in the first line. Like rainbow light means okay there's Christmas time, it's holidays. like cold season and then icy drink like it's summer yeah. like what are your thoughts about it i think it's beautiful isn't it it's beautiful <laughs> writing um i've always seen this as kind of yeah i don't i don't fit this into our theory immediately because i've always seen this as a sort of um a wistful sort of the person that he's sung a lot about in these songs and maybe it's two meanings you know maybe these are about himself and about another person because mm-hmm. this is like a It almost was like an apology to me in some ways of look I've I've said some mm-hmm. things on this album that maybe you're not comfortable with but I'm coming over I'll bring you a nice drink and you know we'll just we'll just forget what's come before sort of thing that's how I've always thought it's a beautiful closing song I think because it kind of brings a lot of what they've done throughout the album mm-hmm. into this kind of slow slow song that calms you down at the end and I think it's yeah it's, it's stunning mm-hmm. lyrically but it's a total mystery actually i mean i'll be honest with you my mind has stopped working after we have just but i i'm still trying to like reconcile with the fact that oh, okay like <laughs> it might snort what i thought it was but lyrically it might be the for me lyrically it might be the strongest song yeah the yeah like he's trying to compensate and it's so like no no big drums like heavy piano yeah and then let me come over i can waste your time i'm bored invite me over to the war every night of the summer and i love the way he sings this line then and we yeah. play gi blood we play gi blood i love the way he says this amazing 
And it and it is the way he does those little things, isn't it? Like frozen something like GI Blood, and you just like mm-hmm. what other songwriter would do that? And um, yeah, I think certainly the lyrics of this song are just stunning. And I think you can just sit and uh, mm-hmm. and the way he delivers it, it's a slightly different delivery with his voice. And, and one negative that a lot of people have there about the national is that his voice doesn't change a lot. Um, but he changes it in little ways, and he delivers things differently. And mm-hmm. I think this song he delivers so delicately. Delicately, it's it's yeah, it's fantastic. As you can tell, I could not, I could not rave yes, about I... this album enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's worth all the praise. Like I, I think we have made a very strong case about yeah. this album in this episode so good, far. Like it, it deserves all the praise <laughs> that you can lavish on the love. But you know, you can like, darling, can you tie my string? Killers are calling on me. It Maybe I, I'm. We're making case for both yeah. sides. This might be about himself. It was. Yeah, sides. if it's the voice yeah. in his head, you know that's even more interesting, isn't mm-hmm. it? That sort of. Um... It's that sort of, darling, can you tie my string? Like, I, it's a, it's, I need help. The killers are calling on me. It's like, that's a heavy mm-hmm. line in a lot of ways, but it, it doesn't really stand out when you listen to the song, how heavy that line kind of is, but it is. But immediately after that, there are lines, like, there are two lines, that my angel face is falling, feathers are falling on my feet. But you can mm-hmm. also say, like, okay, I had a strong grip on reality and what was my problem, like, not things which are not real and i'm losing that grip yeah yeah no so many readings. and this feathers are falling i think it's also previous like feathers i think in the first song or second song there's also feathers are falling same same like call back to the yeah and he does that a lot he'll do it in later albums you know you'll get a call back to an earlier song um quite regularly so it's yeah that's another sort of trait of his of his writing definitely and even here through well, apartment story, you know, you've got the line in gospel, stay near your, stay near your television. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, that's a callback, mm-hmm. isn't it, to to apartment story. So, yeah. So we know your favourite song is Slow yes. Show. Of the favourite song, favourite song of yeah. all time, Slow <laughs> Show. But if you had to choose your least favourite song from this album, which would least it be? Least favourite, wow. Um, I'm just looking at the list now. <sighs> It's a hard, that's a hard question. I love them all. Um, maybe start a war, but only just. I mean, actually, to, to be honest, Squalor Victoria is such an amazing mm. song live. Live, because they, they, mm. they sort of stretch it out live and it's those drums that are so powerful. But it, it's probably for me the sort of one on the record that doesn't have as much impact when it's on the record. As, as some of the others, I think it's um, you know, it has a long intro. Yeah, it's a really yeah. long intro, like strong drums, long intro. Which when you're in a when you're in the pit watching them, that intro is fantastic because it's a real build and it's really sort of everyone's getting really excited for the song and Matt's running around the stage. But when you listen to the album, it is a little bit of a sort of you know, especially after those first three amazing songs Squalor Victoria is probably the one that dips a little bit before we go to Green Gloves and Slow Show so yeah I think I'll go mm-hmm. Squalor Victoria although I feel a bit guilty saying saying it about any of them <laughs> I, I I feel like I put a gun on the head <laughs> and this, okay just give me one which is your least favorite yeah, song it would be yeah Squalor okay, Victoria so is this album a, is this album a 10 for you this is interesting because um if any of my colleagues on the Picky Bastards podcast listen to this they'll they'll um They'll remind me of a couple of episodes ago. We had a, we we did we covered the Fiona Apple album, and I talked about how mm-hmm. Pitchfork giving it a perfect ten. How I was uncomfortable with that because I don't, mm. for me personally, I don't know that any album deserves a perfect ten. 
Um, and this would be as close as you can come. And probably in, in if I was talking to somebody who didn't know anything about the National and I just wanted to convince them, I would probably say it was a perfect album. It was a 10. But it's maybe a, it's maybe a 9.9. <laughs> maybe I have to take... My 9... <laughs> <laughs> point one. Maybe 9.5. But why is it like it's a very really, it's a very really interesting statement to make. Why why isn't any album a 10? Because I think there's always something that um isn't quite you know, maybe and we've just talked about Squad of Victoria. I think that disrupts the flow a tiny bit and it's not but also what I love about music sometimes is the imperfection. So that's why if I give something a 10 for me, it's got to be um you know, absolutely flawless. And I don't think any music is because I think um, sometimes it's the flaws that make it interesting. And I think for me, like, you know, the, the website, the reviews that we write on the, the website, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. give scores because for that reason, I think it's kind of, when I look at Pitchfork and I see an album get an 8.7 and then I see another album get an 8.6, I'm just like, how did you separate that by one point? And mm-hmm. it kind of, um, I don't know if it's a, if it's a way of judging music that I really, I really like. Um, but also if I was going to give any album a 10, it would probably be boxer. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, <laughs> I've just made that a really complicated answer to a sort of easy question, <laughs> but it's, I know that if my, if my mates hear me say, yeah, it's a 10, they'll be like, Oh, that's not what you said the other week. So I thought I had to sort of dig myself out of that in advance, but it's, it certainly deserves a very high score. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of good, like great albums have come out this year. So, which ones have been your favorite that have come out this year? So, I think if I'm being honest, my favorite album of this year so far is Punisher. And I know you've talked about Punisher a lot on the uh, the podcast and in general. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel the need to go massively into, but it is probably my album no, of the no, year. No, 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 just um, so far. Uh, Album of the year, we have so far, so far, we yeah, have like, so far, so far. So far. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite album of the year so far. I would say, um, I just think it's stunning. I think it's, um, it's you know, just got some real, real amazing moments on it. Um, and I think her songwriting is just, and I, I, I love Stranger in the Alps, and I think this is just the next, the next level. Um, if Phoebe a lot we can we can move on to talk about a couple of other good albums from this year no 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 just take your take, take your time take your time just go yeah Phoebe um I mean what can what can I say about it that hasn't already been said I think her lyrics on it are amazing uh, I think you know I, I love that she's done some work with Matt Berninger and the National um because I, I see mm-hmm. a sort of connection there in some ways um especially with Punisher I think Punisher has a lot of really interesting builds in the songs I think, uh, and I think like I'm just going to cut you off there for a minute because, and I might be wrong, so if you can check it, but I think Pitchfork rated both Punisher and Strange and sorry, Boxer 8.6. I think they both they, got in the same score. Yeah, that sounds. Hmm, I th- I th- it wouldn't surprise me at all, and I think you know from 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 Pitchfork that's a reasonably reasonably good score, isn't it? And I think uh, you know it was nice to see Punisher get some real recognition this time. Um, you know, Stranger in the Alps got a lot of recognition, but I think this this album sort of catapulted her a little bit. And um, you know, you know, when you love an artist though, and and you, they start to get big, you always have that mixed feeling of like you want them to be your your mm-hmm. artist, and you want them to be this <laughs> this little thing that people don't. And maybe that's just the way I think about music. Mm-hmm. But 
No, no, no. It's like hundred percent. Yeah, agree it's, it's and the national were one of those for me as well because when I first got into them, they weren't particularly big. And I think um, I love seeing Phoebe get some success because I think she really deserves it, and she seems like a really lovely person as well, which helps. Um, but there's also mm-hmm. that little bit of me that's like, I liked it when nobody knew who I was talking about when I talked about Phoebe Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had that with Sufyan, and I think I've talked about it in previous episodes, if not. So I had it because when I started listening to Suf- Sufyan, like, no one knew around me who Sufyan was. Like, they couldn't even pronounce oh. his name, Sufyan. And I was like, and, and, and then I started introducing people to Sufyan, and they started liking it. And then I, I, I am happy. Like, I want him to get all the due ven- ven- uh, veneration and everything that he deserves. But there's also a little part of me like, oh... Those times were good when he was just yeah. my my secret, yeah. like my my my. And then you have to see people later talking about this amazing artist that they love, and they oh this yeah, I've always been a Sofian fan, and it's like you haven't always been a Sofian fan. I was a, I was a Sofian fan before you, <laughs> and it's kind of that sort of um, weird possessiveness over bands. But I totally I am mm. very guilty of that, you know. It's and Phoebe Bridges, you know, I mean that album's superb. Um, I think you've mentioned a couple of other of my favourites of the year. I mean, one of my other favourites from this year so far is Laura Marlin's um, Songs for Our Daughter. Oh, such a great... Yeah, I'm a massive a fan of hers. Uh, she's she's up there with my top five mm-hmm. artists, I would say. I, and, and she really... Um, you know, I would say, like, listening to her older stuff and newer stuff, you can see how she has progressed. And oh, it's totally. Just, it's been totally. so good. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing oh. with, with that kind of folk music that um, if you're not really into it and you listen to and you think maybe she's a singer songwriter and people maybe wouldn't see that development unless they're really into that kind of music but she has developed and she is she's always been fantastic but she's this latest album i think is so sort mm-hmm. of um so nuanced very confident, yeah, very yeah. confident. It's, it's, it's a stunning piece of work mm-hmm. um and yeah i'll mention one more because it might not have come up and you might not be aware of it have you heard of a, an artist called nadine shah no, 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 I haven't. So she's I haven't. a. I, Nadine Shah. I have, I've heard the name, but I don't think I've heard any stuff. So like Nadine Shah is a sort of. Um, this is a big one for me because she's. Um, so she is half. Well, she's half English, half Pakistani, I, I believe, and I'm a half English, half Indian. And her last album, um, mm-hmm. Holiday Destination, the one before this one, was about sort of the the experience of being sort of. Uh, mixed race and living in England at the time of the EU referendum and the time of Brexit mm-hmm. and it was just such a you know not everything's about it on the album but but some of quite a bit of it is and it kind of was really interesting to have an album that sort of just really spoke to my experience um, in that way and then she's brought out a new album this year called Kitchen Sink which is very it's more about like the experiences of being a, a woman uh, it's a, a lot around sort of you know, gaslighting, and it's, it's it's a very different album to some of the albums I'm talking about, because I, I suppose with Phoebe, The National, Laura Marlin, it's all quite delicate music, whereas Nadine Charles a bit more mm-hmm. post-punk, a bit more raucous, but um, but she's she's mm-hmm. fantastic, uh, and not not as well known as she should be, so that's why I wanted to give her a bit of a, mm-hmm. a bit of a shout out, because she's, she's fantastic. I think an album that touches on similar topics, like you said, have you heard the debut album by Rina Sawayama. Yes, we listened to again we listened to it on the podcast. It's one of those for I think there's some great topics on there. But I do think like I struggled a little bit with the how much it changes. How chaotic that is. Yeah, you can't put it like you can't you can't put it yeah. in one like you can't put it in a box. Is it R and B? Is it pop? Is it metal? Yeah, you can't and it put was it like 
sometimes I was I was really into it. Other times I would be like, um, there's one minute, and even in one song, I can't remember the name of the song, but it starts like it's almost like a Britney or Christina type song, and then she's screaming, <laughs> and it's suddenly this sort of goth mm-hmm. song, and it's kind of I really like her. I think she's really cool, but I think it, it didn't. Um, I maybe didn't get as into the themes on that album because I was still trying to figure out what that album was. Um, and it's difficult when we do the podcast, we kind of listen to six albums for a month and then we kind of talk about all those albums. So if one of them is quite difficult to get your head around, sometimes it'll fall to the back a little bit. And especially because I think we did that the same month as Fear and Apple when I just got obsessed with Fear and Apple. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, maybe I need to give Rena another chance. Are you, are you a big fan of that one? Yeah, I, 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 like it's if I have to choose like top five like of this year, it might be one. It's it's one of them. Okay. Like top my top five albums of the year. I often find when we do the podcast as well that I'll go back to an album later when it's not that I've got to mm-hmm. think about it as a music critic, I've just got to think of it as a music fan and I'll I'll spot things in it that um I didn't before. So I'll definitely give that one another go. I've got a friend who's a big, big fan of it, so I'll um he want he you know, he talks about it a lot, so I'll I'll give him the I'll give him the listen it deserves, I suppose. You know, and everything, those topics that she deals that she deals you know, that she highlights in in her album. Uh, have you heard that like it's in the news today? I was just but before we started recording this podcast, I was on Twitter and it's everywhere, like trending Asayama is British yeah. because she didn't get nominated for the Brits and the Mercury yeah. Prize because she's not a British citizen, so it's everywhere. Totally disgusted like by it, to be honest. And it's, it's difficult because I'm a big Mercury mm-hmm. Prize fan and we're actually doing a, a Twitter tournament at the minute to decide the best ever Mercury winner on our on our podcast Twitter account. So it's it's sad to see that because I think, you know, what what just what more does she need to do to be considered British? But sadly I think it's a indication of how things are in this country a little bit at the minute. Um Mm-hmm. which is sad to see, you know, which is why albums like that that talk about it are really important, I think, because music can kind of change people's views on it. And I think, um, I don't know if you will have had much, um, seen much about Idols, the sort of British punk band that are really big in England at the minute. Not really, no. no I so think worth, in the previous episode they mentioned, but no. Okay, they're worth checking out because again, they do similar things. There's a song on their second album called mm-hmm. Danny Nadelko, which is all about immigration. And, you know, it just, the whole song just talks about all these amazing examples of people who have emigrated to the UK. And it's kind of, um, you know, it's important that we have that kind of music. So, and the, the thing about Rena not getting recommended for those prizes is, yeah, it's, it's quite sad, I think. Hopefully, something comes from the buzz around it today, though, you know. Hopefully, they listen. Mm-hmm. So this year we have had Punisher, we have had Fetch the Bowl Cutters, we have had Songs for a Daughter, we have had the Nadine Shah album that you mentioned, and which other album? Like, if you had to choose one other album, like for the in this year that stood out. I'm gonna go with I think um, one that comes out this Friday. Um, but uh, I have been I've been lucky enough because I'm reviewing. Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Yes, you're back. You're back. Yes, we're back. We're back. Yeah, so... Um, now, how much did you hear? How much did I, do I need to repeat? How much did you hear? 
I heard you ask me for one more album from from this year. So is that where we're at? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, so because I review albums, I get sometimes get sent an album early. And there's another Irish band um, who are sort of post-punk called Fontaine's DC. Um, their new album, A Hero's Death, comes out this Friday. And I've been listening to that obsessively for the last two weeks. It's, um, you know, it's quite a loud raucous album but it's um yeah it's really sort of powerful stuff and it's a it's their second album and it's really sort of a step forward so yeah i'm a big fan of that i'll need to give it a bit more time to know you know how much i love it because i've only been listening to it for two weeks but i think it's it's another really strong album mm -hmm. have you heard the new perfume genius album like set my heart on fire immediately have you heard that I've not listened to it. Do you know what? Perfume Genius is an interesting one for me because I loved, um, I can't remember the name of it, two two albums ago with, uh, it's got I, sort of I, a peach coloured cover. I, I, the name is slipping my mind. Yeah, it's got oh, a song called Long Pigs yeah. on it. It's got, it's yeah. got, and I loved that album. And then I didn't really like the follow-up album. In fact, if I'm being honest, I really didn't like the follow-up album. Um, <laughs> like, I, I really found it really overblown and it kind of um, did my head in. Um, so I haven't actually listened to the new one, but is it, do you think I should? Like, I'll be very honest. Like, we haven't, like, Sufjan's new album is coming in September. So I'm yeah. still deserving, like, the best spot. But right now, like, it's at the top. Like, the first place goes to Fiona. But I think... Okay my second favorite album of the year okay okay yeah i will give him another i will give it a go it's one of them that's just kind of you know when i suppose there was a level of disappointment when i really liked one album and really mm -hmm. didn't like the next one so it kind of has put me off a little bit but i'm willing to i'm certainly willing to give it a go definitely all right so now we are going i know to... who like him Sorry, carry on. No, no, I cut you off. Please continue. No, I was just saying, I know I know a lot of people who like Perfume Genius, so I'm, I'm sure if I gave that album a go and liked it, they'd be very happy about it. So you can you can take credit if I, if I change my mind. <laughs> I, have, I have to take credit for a lot of things. Like, I have changed your perspective <laughs> of our boss today. I'm, 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 you might like a Perfume Genius album again. Like, <laughs> okay, now I'm going to ask you some questions in quick succession, and you're going to... Okay. So... Your favorite album by an your favorite album which was not my favorite album by sorry I missed the last bit of that uh like my an album that you liked which was not well received but you liked okay oh that's a tough one um ooh, that is a tough question uh favorite album that's not been well received that I liked um oh do you know what the tallest man on earth's last album do you know the tallest man on yeah earth? I know I know him. It got a bit of a savaging in the press. Um, and I do think just, you know, people just said it was more of the same. Um, and I can see that argument, but I think it was a really delicate, beautiful album. And I think, um, yeah, so it wasn't, it never got really any massive, you know, massive fanfare or anything. But for me, it was one of his best albums. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Movies, like your favourite movie soundtrack? Favourite movie soundtrack? Um, do you know what? I'm going to have to go quite far back in time for this one. Um, and weirdly, I wouldn't say it's that I love all the music on it, but I love the way it works with the film, and it's the soundtrack to Donnie Darko. Ooh, um, okay. Just like 80s tracks, which aren't all my thing, but I think it just really fits that film, and it really sort of brings that film to life. And um, and yeah. I Correct me if a, I'm wrong, because it's been a long time, like five, six years since I've last seen that film. 
but it has some pixies and stuff like on, on it right pixies yeah it has some pixies, pixies. it has yeah. tears for fears mm-hmm. um god i can't think off the top of my head but it's uh, it just really works perfectly well with that film i think and then obviously they did the single mad world which was mm-hmm. gary jules yeah which was also fantastic so yeah donny darko soundtrack for me now good soundtrack now movie with a really good score movie with a really good score do you know what I watched the other day? Um, oh, the name's going to escape me now. Um, it was... Oh, the name's going to escape me now. No, Describe I can't it to me. It. I might have seen it. Describe <laughs> it to me. I might have seen it. Was it. Kind of a, it was kind of a horror film, but it was kind of low... Oh, do you know what? No, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go with Under the Skin. That's got a fantastic score. It's a similar film to the one I'm mm-hmm. talking of, but mm-hmm. I can't remember that one. So I'm going to go with Under the Skin. I think it's that really creepy like synth heavy really sort of yeah it really drags you in i think so yeah i'm gonna go with under the skin all right so if you had to form a quarantine playlist which artist would be on there like the music you've been listening to during quarantine during quarantine so i've done i've done so much music listening joy so what i did early in in lockdown was i set myself a challenge to listen to every record in my record collection in alphabetical order don't have to ask me why um and that's like 180 records so i've listened to a hell of a lot but if i was to say the ones that i've been listening to the most i was funnily enough looking at my spotify stats before because i thought something like this might come up and um mm-hmm. phoebe bridges is at the top she's what i've been listening to most in the last six months um and then i would say i'm listening to a lot of a lot of not the national that much really um but a lot of uh, nadine shaw as well but then i'm mm-hmm. ch- also listening to quite a bit of quite a bit of hip-hop um because sometimes when i'm feeling a little bit down which lockdown can do to you um mm-hmm. hip-hop can bring my mood up so there's an artist called odyssey that i listen mm-hmm. to quite a lot um little sims i listen to mm-hmm. a hell of a lot during lockdown a guy called ghost poet who's not hip-hop he's more sort of mm-hmm. hip-hoppy post-punk type stuff um a lot of sort of yeah trying to listen to some more uplifting stuff and then trying to listen to some comforting stuff that um I've always loved so I've been listening to a bit of Tracy Chapman I've been listening to a bit of um, Bob Marley just stuff that's mm-hmm. always been there it kind of reminds me of home a little bit because I've not been able to go see my family for a while so mm. yeah that kind of stuff oh. that you are half English hello, hello? hi <laughs> we're back for the third time we're back you put this all together in the end but yeah, it's fine. We'll do something. So I was asking you, like, you're saying that it's been a while since you've seen your family. So, yeah. and I, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast that you're half Indian, half uh, British. So is your family in the UK or are they in India? My family is all in the UK. My mum is Indian. She's from, from Punjab. Um, but she moved over with her family when she was four. So she's been in the UK for most of her life. But, um, yeah, so they're all in the UK. But... Um, Again, with me not being able to drive and stuff, I'm not. It's it, they live quite far away, um, so I've not been able to get get to see them. Uh, but yeah, so my mum's my mum is Indian, but she's she's been here for a long time now. Okay, now if anyone was make someone was making the movie like the France Slater story, what who would who would you want to who who would you want to score that movie? If you had to choose the soundtrack, which artist would you choose? Oh, fantastic question. Um, I'm going to go with Johnny Greenwood from from Radiohead. Oh, such a good choice. Such yeah. a good choice. <laughs> he makes That's... fantastic music scores. Um, 
his score for You Were Never Really Here is so good. Have you yeah. seen that movie? You Were Really Here? Yeah, yeah. And There Will Be Blood as well. Um, two fantastic yeah. films with fantastic scores. And now, now that you've asked me that question, I'm suddenly thinking of loads of music scores I could have answered the earlier question with. But um, yeah, Johnny Greenwood. And, and if he wants to bring Aaron Dessner along for the, for the ride, mm-hmm. he's more than welcome to. But it's got to be Johnny. And if you have to choose the soundtrack, who, which artist would you pick? I'm going to be predictable and go with the national. I think. Uh, I think because <laughs> because their film, I think their music's quite cinematic. Um, I don't know if you've seen a film called Warrior. Um, it's, uh, no, I it's kind of about. I think it's about a cage. Sound awful, but it's not. It's really good. It's a really sort of emotional. It's about a guy who sort of, I suppose, is um, very mixed up and he does cage fight to like let out his aggression and stuff. But it's it's scored, in, it's soundtracked almost entirely by the national songs. About about Today is a song that returns again and again. Oh, it's and it just movie. makes, it's just so, so cinematic that I think I would... I would go with them, um, which I know is very predictable, but it, I've got to go with them. Okay. All right. So now, did you see that? I, I just it's popped up in my lap, laptop. It's open on my laptop. So I just I have to ask you this. Do you see the music video for I Know the End? I've not watched it yet. Um, no, I saw it came came up on my YouTube earlier, but it was kind of um, while we were eating dinner and about to sit down and watch something. So I'm going to go back and, and watch it later, I think. Um, again, it's that that's my geeky side coming out, is I, when something like that comes out, because I love that song so much, it's it's just amazing. I want mm-hmm. to be able to really immerse myself in that video, so I, I need to do it when I'm sort of able to do that. And you should, because I saw it once, and I do need to like see it a couple of times, because I have no idea what happened. <laughs> no, is that you need to... Most emotional, yeah. Just from seeing the, the little thumbnails that I've seen of it, it looks it looks very interesting. Um, what I did watch earlier today was Phoebe's um performance of Kyoto on Colbert, where she's dancing with the disco lights and stuff, and it just made me love her even more. I just think, oh, it's such a and then Marty yeah. comes at the end, like, <laughs> it's just amazing. It's like, I love how unseriously she takes herself sometimes and then other times like her, her music and her looks are so serious but she's so funny I love that about her I think she's a really fascinating character and very committed to that skeleton yes. movie. I don't know like very committed I'm, I'm, I've got to say I prefer it to the um the dramas that she was wearing for a long time during all the live streams early on I kind of got worried about those dramas so I'm glad that she's moved on you know I think you I, I think you should see if you haven't seen it like she had an interview with Matt Burning though like recently, like yesterday. I've seen it released. You know, yeah. That'll be one of my weekend watches. And, she, and she's wearing those glorious pajamas. No, they're back. Your, they're back. <laughs> back yeah. She must have more so than one I'm pair going of them. Like, obviously, obviously. Multiple pairs of skeleton onesies. <laughs> multiple pairs of those moons, stars and moons. Like multiple pairs. Now, I am going to like end the podcast, but you have your own podcast, yes. Picky Bastard. So I want you to just introduce, like, tell us, tell, tell me a little bit. Okay, about so it. tell everyone about it. Picky Bastards, which is, you know, the name kind of sums us up. Um, so this podcast has been running around for years now, and so every month we um, 
we put together a list which is four recently released albums, um, one classic album. When I say classic, it's kind of it just has to be an album that was big at some point and that none of us have heard. And and then mm-hmm. one of us will introduce an artist that we love. Um, so there's three of us that host it. And, you know, so we're, we're recording this weekend and, you know, so the albums this weekend are the latest Bob Dylan. Um, there's the Arca album. The classic is Marine Girls. And we've actually got a guest who's introducing Miles Davis. So, yeah, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we do it for fun. We never really... What we used to do, my friend Nick, who I run it with, he was living in America and then he moved to the UK and uh, him and his best mate decided to stay in touch by ringing each other once a month and talking about a couple of albums. It was a good way for them to keep connected. And then I got, once I met Nick and we talked a lot about music, I got hooked into that conversation. Then one day I was just like, look, we should record this. And yeah, and it's been going for three years. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, we are miserable. <laughs> we do moan about a lot of albums and you know I think some people who are regular listeners say that they enjoy it because they like listening to people who are passionate about music but they disagree with 90% of what we say so that's a warning to everyone um, we're not always kind about albums that you love I'm afraid um, but sometimes we are you know last episode we were really really positive we liked everything on there so that, yeah that's the podcast uh, it's usually once a month sometimes there's delays we also uh, year and a half ago started a website with the same name picky bastards but that has you know two or three album reviews a week and on a wednesday one of us will write a sort of more in-depth article so it's yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's you know for me writing and music are the two things that help me to sort of maintain my my mood my mental health so being able to combine those two things with my friends really because it's all friends Everyone who writes for us is like a friend of a friend. It's all connected in some way. So it's really nice sort of community that we've built up around it. So yeah, if people want to listen, great. It's Picky Bastards. Uh, you can find us on all the normal, you know, podcast sites. And the website is pickybs.com. And yeah, please do check us out. It's um it's it's miserable a lot of the time, but not always. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for letting me plug. Okay. No, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, the last song, the last question I will ask before I let you go and just list whatever you want. So, if you had to recommend some music to people, like I know that you have recommended the Nadine Shah album, yeah. which I don't know the title of that album. I don't think you mentioned. Oh, the Kitchen title Sink. Album. Kitchen Sink is the title of the latest one. Kitchen Sink. So, if you had to recommend some music to people who are listening, which would you do? You know, this is really interesting. I wrote a little list of things that I wanted to sort of. You know, if I'm not talking about really recent things, uh, there's an artist called John Smith who I would like, and it's a really, obviously John Smith's a really common name in the UK. Um, <laughs> so it's not, but he's a, a, a folk artist who, you know, if we talk about Laura Marlin and stuff like that, John Smith's a folk artist who's not massive at all, actually, and not many people know him, but he's one of my favourites. Um, I would check him out. Um, and I can't now think of any of the album titles off the top of my head. But if you search, it's just, you know, when your mind goes blank, like I've got them all on vinyl, but all the names have just gone out of my head. Do you want to like think about it and then you can just message me and I'll edit it to the Do you know what? If I just, think about I will be able to find in two seconds thinking about it because I've got this right next to me. Um, give me one second. And now I've just mistyped it because obviously that's <laughs> what I was bound to do. John Smith. Um, so Headlong is one album. 
Um, Great Lakes is my favorite album. Um, so yeah, and the and then the Fox and the Monk. So John Smith, I would really recommend because I think he's not too well known. Um, more recently, over the last year or so, I, I got really into a band called The Murder Capital. Um, so I'd recommend them as well. They're worth checking out. I mean, I could go on and on because there's so much music I love, but um, <laughs> I'd like, yeah, I'd go with those two for now, I think, unless you want any more. If you wanted to give up, like, let's round it off at three. You have given us two. Let's Do you know Frightened this. Rabbit? The band Frightened Rabbit. Can you Frightened Rabbit. Oh, I think I have because I think they put out a new album. Well, Frightened Rabbit, um, there was a there was a, a couple of years ago actually the lead singer from the band died. Um, so there's not been any recent oh, music. I'm but... confusing it. <laughs> I'm confusing it. But, yeah, so I'm confusing it definitely no recent music. But actually, there's been a lot. There has been quite a lot of stuff in the press about them over the last couple of years because of that. And actually, um, so they've got five albums. One of their albums is called The Midnight Organ Fight. Um, and if I was going to choose an album after Radiohead, because someone recommended it to me, I was listening to it like a okay, days wow, ago. yeah, midnight, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, if I was if, if, if it was not Radiohead or The National that I was recommending today, that would be my third favorite album of all time. And, and they're not massively known either, but the, his lyrics, you know, a lot of what we've talked tonight about lyrics, he's another one who, who hmm. you know, he talked, he had a lot of mental health uh, struggles and he talks a lot about that in his music. Mm-hmm. And it's, superb so if i was going to recommend a band it would it would have to be there you have mentioned radiohead so much that i have to ask you which is your favorite radio it is in band? rainbows um it is in rainbows that's one thing i can an- ask, answer confidently about radio if you ask me if you ask me to rank the rest of them that changes every day but um in rainbows is just yeah it's just stunning i think are you a fan as well yeah i'm a fan as well i could like it's in my opinion, it's not possible not to like Radiohead. In my opinion, if you listen to them, if you take yeah. the time and listen to them properly, because they are not the. It's heavy listening. You can't listen to them like continuously. It's heavy listening. You have to like take your time with it. But if you do, I think it's not possible, in my opinion, not to like. You Radiohead. just made the exact argument I make on a regular basis, but um, it doesn't always <laughs> seem to get through to everyone, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's a good a good case to do for that is that when uh, me and my girlfriend first started living together, you know, she kind of hadn't minded some Radiohead early in their career, and then she'd gone off them, and then I just play them so regularly, and now she loves them again. So I think it does show if you if they're there and you pay you pay attention to them, I think you're right. I think it's hard yeah. not to love them. Thank you so much for the, for just talking to me. I know that you're busy. You're taking. Was, oh, it's been a, it's been an absolute it, pleasure, and I've been really enjoying your podcast. So it's it's really nice to be on it. I've um I've I've not listened to the all of the full episodes yet because I'm like you say busy, but I've been dipping in and out, and I think you've had some great guests, and it's been really interesting. So I'm really happy to to be one of them. <laughs> no, no, thank you so much. And you've been like from the get go. You, I've asked you, I, I've asked you for advice. I've asked you for help. So like it's it's been my well, it's been my pleasure to have you finally on the yeah, well, thank you and you know what it's, there needs to be more music podcasts when it's just people talking about their love for music so it's I'm really glad to, that I could help you out all right thank no you problem. take bye-bye. care bye-bye bye again much thanks to Fran for taking out the time and talking to me you can find all the songs that we recommended in this episode in a playlist on Spotify. Just search Cue the Music and you should find it there. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram at Cue the Music for all updates.
be sure to check out Fran's podcast Picky Bastards and check their website also i'll share the links until next time bye bye